Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We continue with 2 Chronicles chapter 2. Now Solomon purposed to build a temple for the name of Yahweh and a royal palace for himself. And Solomon assigned 70,000 men to bear burdens and 80,000 to quarry in the hill country and 3,600 to oversee them. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, king of Tyre, As you dealt with David my father, and sent him cedar to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, I am about to build a house for the name of Yahweh my God, and dedicate it to him for the burning of incense, of sweet spices before him, and for the regular arrangement of the showbread, and for burnt offerings morning and evening, on the Sabbaths and the new moons, and the appointed feasts of Yahweh our God, as ordained forever for Israel. The house that I am to build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. But who is able to build him a house, since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him? Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? So now send me a man skilled to work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue fabrics, trained also in engraving, to be with the skilled workers who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided, Send me also cedar, cypress, and algum timber from Lebanon, for I know that your servants know how to cut timber in Lebanon, and my servants will be with your servants to prepare timber for me in abundance, for the house I am to build will be great and wonderful. I will give for your servants the woodsmen who cut timber twenty thousand cores of crushed wheat, uh, twenty thousand cores of barley, twenty thousand baths of wine, and twenty thousand baths of oil. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, answered in a letter that he sent to Solomon, Because Yahweh loves his people, he has made you king over them. Hiram also said, Blessed be Yahweh God of Israel, who made heaven and earth, who has given King David a wise son, who has discretion and understanding, who will build a temple for Yahweh and a royal palace for himself. Now I have sent a skilled man who has understanding, Huram Abi, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre. He is trained to work in gold, silver, bronze, iron, stone, and wood, and in purple, blue, and crimson fabrics, and fine linen, and to do all sorts of engraving, and execute any design that may be assigned him, with your craftsman, the craftsman of my lord, David your father. Now, therefore, the wheat and barley, oil and wine, of which my lord has spoken, let him send to his servants." And we will cut whatever timber you need from Lebanon and bring it to you in rafts by sea to Joppa, so that you may take it up to Jerusalem. Then Solomon counted all the resident aliens who were in the land of Israel after the census of them that David his father had taken. And there were found 153,600. 70,000 of them he assigned to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry in the hill country, and 3,600 as overseers to make the people work. This is the word of the Lord. So Solomon is going to go about his preparations. We saw in First Chronicles for several chapters the preparations David was making. Now it's Solomon's time. By God's word, by his promise, Solomon would be the one to build the temple. This came in First Chronicles 17 when David had decided to build a house for God. God told him he would not because he was a man of bloodshed, but that his son who would be a man of peace, and thus named Solomon, which is with Hebrew shalom, peace, he would be the one to build this house. And so Solomon is following up on that word. He's also going to build himself a royal palace. 
This is the first time that that's been mentioned. David himself lived in houses, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1. But Solomon will live in a palace. The note about the, the labor of 153,600 men will start this text in verse 2 and also end it down in verses 17 and 18. So it's a sandwich here, this idea that Solomon has inscripted forced labor of foreigners. I'm going to leave that for the, the latter part. First Kings chapter 5 very specifically does call this forced labor, although that word is not used here in verse 2 at the moment. Solomon sends to Hiram, king of Tyre, which is northwest of Jerusalem on the Mediterranean Sea, a port city, a very wealthy city in its own right, and well known for its ability to import that lumber from Lebanon, which is up to the north of the land of Israel. Hiram was an ally to David, at least in a, a small way, not, a, not one to fight with him. We never see anything really negative about Hiram in Scripture. We'll come back to him here in a little bit in his response that he writes to Solomon. But we start with Solomon's letter to Hiram first. And in it, he mentions the dealings between his father David and Hiram, that Hiram apparently helped David build his own houses originally that we mentioned in Jerusalem by sending cedar for him. And now he's asking that the same would be done for him, that he would help him to build not just for his own sake, but for Yahweh's house. That he may, and then he lists several things that the temple would be for, offering of incense, the showbread, which is for the table of the bread of the presence and, and the priest in the temple, the burnt offerings, which are for the forgiveness of sins, the various celebrations with the Sabbath once a week, the new moon once a month, and the appointed feasts in the first and the seventh month as ordained by God forever for Israel. He's sharing faith here. This is our religious practice. This is what God has instructed us to do. And he's telling Hiram about it. And then, then he says, The house I am to build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. Hiram doesn't balk at this. Like he, It doesn't make him flinch. His letter doesn't reject this idea whatsoever. Hold on to that thought. Who is able to build him a house since even heaven cannot contain him? Who am I to build him a house? Note the humility here in Solomon. Uh, that's a good thing that he's, he's like this, that he's not gloating, he's not bragging of himself, but it's God's greatness, and Solomon doesn't measure up to that. He's recognizing this is good, this is true, and this is also what we do. We recognize that we don't measure up to, to God's greatness. However, he lives in us. He dwells in us. He chooses to dwell among us as he's going to dwell among Solomon and the people of Israel also. Thanks be to God. So he's requesting not just the material, but also a, a leading man, a, a master craftsman of very much skill. I mean, to be able to work all these different types of metals, all these different types of fabrics, to be able to do engraving work, no small feat. The tabernacle had two master craftsmen, Oholiab and Bezalel. We'll have to wait till verse 13 to see this man's name. So send me the worker, the master worker, send me the various trees, wood, 
Uh, so cedar being the, the most known of those, uh, Lebanon famed for their cedar trees at this time in history, some of the best wood in the world. So he wants the best of the best to build God's house. And then he offers, in exchange for that, a lot of, well, food and, and other things. So wheat and barley for food. Uh, a core is 58 gallons worth, 220 liters. And this would be 1.16 million gallons worth of wheat and also of barley. I do gallons because I can picture a gallon milk jug. Uh, we have a lot of those that go through my house with having children. So it's just easier for me to think of. Anyway, uh, the word bath, you have baths of wine, baths of oil, and this would come out to 160,000 gallons worth of both of those resources. So a very... It's not a gift, it's, it's payment, but a very sizable sum that he is offering to Hiram. Hiram responds in a very positive letter that he sends back. And you look at the language here, and the question I want you to ask your children is, reading this letter from Hiram, would you say Hiram believes in Yahweh? Would you say he's faithful or not? I mean, most likely he was pagan, most likely he's polytheistic, but I mean, just look at his words. Look at this text. Because Yahweh loves his people. He has made you king over them. I mean, look at that. Yahweh loves his people. He, he's acknowledging Yahweh. And Yahweh's name is a confession, by the way. It means he is in the Hebrew. God says, I am. I am who I am. And we say, Yahweh, he is. Hiram's using the divine name. And then he's complimenting Solomon, right? He's made you king over them because he loves them. It's a, an idea like, you're a good king. So God has given them a good king because he loves his people. Blessed be Yahweh, God of Israel, who made heaven and earth. Again, statements of faith. Quite boldly. And he's given David a wise son. Discretion and understanding. He's learned this from Solomon's letter. Solomon's ability to negotiate with him in a reasonable way. I have sent a skilled man of understanding, Hiram, or Hurum Abi. So, uh, origin of the name Hurum, same as Hiram, the king's name himself. Abi is Hebrew for uh, my father. We don't really know what Hurum's name means. There's a lot of debate over that. Um, so, the, the meaning of the name is a little lost to us, but that's okay. Uh, Hurum Abi is his name. This is a man who helps build the temple, and he is the son of a woman born of the daughters of Dan. So he's half Israelite. His father's from Tyre, of Hiram's people, but his mom is a, a Danite, as it would be said. Now that's something that the Lord forbade, Deuteronomy chapter 7, and that they would marry outside of Israel. But it's something that they did quite frequently anyway, and it's something Solomon himself is going to get in trouble because of later in his life. But here's a man who's trained in working all of these things. And in addition, stone and wood. Those were not in the list that Solomon requested. But he can do all of this. And here's a compliment to him. He can execute any design. Talk about skillful. Note also, Hiram in this letter refers to both David and Solomon as his lord. 
So as an ally to them, he almost sees himself underneath them, underneath Israel. He accepts the payment of wheat, barley, oil, and wine that Solomon has offered and offers to cut and return any timber that he needs and send it by rafts to Joppa. So Joppa is going to be closer. It's going to be in Israel, but it's still 35 miles to the northwest. So they'd still have a journey to get it from the sea, of the Mediterranean Sea, down to, or up to, technically, Jerusalem. Then we return to verse 17 and 18, what we read in verse 2, the idea that Solomon enforces labor. So he counts the resident aliens after the census David his father had taken. Remember that census that David gets in trouble for taking? That the Israelites are punished because David did by God? So is this a good thing that Solomon is using his dad's census information? It doesn't appear to be. The other thing about this is he's, he's forcing these resident aliens, so foreigners who live in Israel, not God's people. He's forcing them to be the ones that build God's house. It's like they're not volunteering to do this. He's using slave labor to do the work for the Lord's house. Is this a good thing? I don't see it as such. I mean, the idea that God's house should be a holy house, if anything, it should be built by God's own people. And here, the primary burden bearers are from outside, God's people, and the master craftsman comes from outside God's people. It is to be a holy house. And it will be. It will be a holy house. The Lord will consecrate it nonetheless. The Lord will serve his people in it nonetheless. But it's just, there's some faithfulness here from Solomon. And then there's some other things that maybe not as faithful might leave us scratching our heads. He will be described by the end of his life as not following Yahweh with his whole heart like his father David did.